Hello and welcome to episode 836 of The Sleeper in the Bust. It is Thursday, July 30th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? Doing pretty well. I uh, was up late last night. I actually got out of the house. We went to the, is that allowed? the drive-in theater. Yeah, it's allowed if you go to the drive-in theater. If you make the theater your own car, it is absolutely allowed. Well, a little new, uh, new drive-in theater here in town. I went over there and did a double feature, even watched both Kill Bills 1 and 2. So it was good to get out of the house, um, even though you know we were in our own car. But we took our own snacks. We even took Charlotte. So she's finally, she finally got to go to the movies. She's always complaining. I never get to go to the movies with you guys. But she finally got to go. Uh, she had a lot of things to say about the movie. It was kind of annoying. It's like, can you wait to hold your critiques till the end, you know? She's like you. She doesn't really, she's kind of hit or miss on Tarantino. And it was like, shut up, Charlotte. <laughs> I'm just kidding, obviously. But it was good. It was fun. Um, it had been, I don't know, the last time I went out and did something. Outside of, like, going to my sister's to see her, um, my brother-in-law, and my niece. That's, like, the only, those are the only two things I've done in quarantine. Really haven't done anything. Yeah. Which I know is the case for a lot of folks. I'm just, I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm special. But I'm just saying it's, it's where I'm at. Yeah, we haven't done anything either, really. Um, we were trying to go camping. Mm-hmm. Uh, that didn't work real well um, because all the campsites are like booked through September. Um, so yeah, we're, uh, we're we're probably not doing anything this summer. We're gonna have a uh, backyard Olympics. Oh, nice! So try to keep the kids entertained by making them run around and and do stupid games. I like that. I definitely like that. That should be fun. Well, we got plenty of baseball to talk about. Um, It's kind of a, as I was looking over things, there's not a whole lot of, um, you know, like injury news to go over anything. The way everything kind of developed when I was putting the information together, this is a pitching episode. There's a lot to talk about. There's a lot of interesting pitching yesterday, uh, a little bit on Wednesday too. So we're going to talk about all sorts of different pitching stuff. Some guys who are going to be available, some guys who are not. So let's just dive right into it, where everyone definitely wants us to start. Nate Pearson, in his debut, uh, draws Washington. And I wonder, you know, they don't have Juan Soto, so that's a big part of it. But until these guys turn it around, uh, until some of their mid guy, mid-tier guys that we expected to be pretty good, I wonder if they're not, um, if they're if they're not someone to attack a little bit. Um, as far as a lineup goes. So Nate Pearson goes out and dominates. Now, they they ended up beating up the bullpen and and catching the win, the Nats did. But if you look at it outside of Turner and Eaton, and then then when Soto gets back, this lineup's struggling right now. But anyway, Pearson goes five innings, two hits, no runs, two walks, five strikeouts on 75 pitches. He had uh, 14 swings and misses, which is fantastic. Uh, that's a 19% rate. He was awesome. He he was toe to toe with with Max for those five innings. Max ended up going seven and a third on his own. Three hits, no no runs, three walks, ten strikeouts. Also incredible. Um, if for anybody that was worried after, if you were worried about his debut start, you didn't watch it because he looked completely fine. I, I wasn't worried at all. But uh, what did you think of Pearson? Did you get to watch any of it? Yeah, I watched the whole game uh, as it was going. I kind of tuned out the other games and just made sure I stuck on that one. Just so I could kind of watch, I was really impressed. Um, 
one, you know, they kind of let him just go, which was a, a really good sign. You know, something we talked about is usage in the minor leagues. Uh, you know, uh, I think it was FP Santangelo made the point, like in the shortened season, it's likely they're just going to let him go, uh, mm-hmm. especially because they have, you know, ideas of making the playoffs and yeah. uh, the team to kind of make a push, especially with the expanded playoffs. So uh, <clears throat> he was really, really sharp. And that slider and um, uh, fastball combination is so deadly because it's like 15 to 20 miles separate. And yep. you could see like the national hitters couldn't when he threw an off speed pitch. They just were not ready for it. No, they 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 seem they seemed stayed geared for the uh, fastball. I, I watched a condensed version this morning before the uh, before the pod, but they seemed geared up for the fastball, which, by the way, wasn't even at like peak velo. No, uh, he was working like ninety six, ninety seven. So he's got more uh, for so for the next teams that he's going to face. <laughs> don't don't sit on this thinking, hey, uh, you know we can hit ninety six to ninety seven. He's got several miles per hour to build up to. I wonder if he was conserving himself a little bit, knowing, hey, if I can stay within myself a bit, I can get to five innings instead of just unhauling for three innings, which I liked. I was impressed, too. And again, all I saw was the condensed. You saw the full game. But I came away impressed by Nate Pearson for sure. Yeah, I I will say like the one thing that um, was pretty obvious is he's very Noah-Syndergaard-like when... Uh, there's runners on base, which means he's kind of easy to steal off of. I don't know if you yes. saw the Adam Eaton stolen base, uh, but that may be something also to kind of target, especially if you're playing in daily, uh, you know, pickup formats, mm-hmm. you know, and you're hurting for stolen bases, like go and stream stolen base guys uh, that might be on your wire and shallower formats uh, against him, uh, you know, also against Madison Bumgarner, because uh, he gave up like four stolen bases uh, yesterday, yep. but... Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was very, very impressive. You know, hopefully uh, he can kind of keep it going. Uh, I'm sure there'll be bumps in the road uh, sure. a- as uh, time's going. But, I mean, he is a rookie. This is – he showed a lot of composure against the na- defending it's a, national it's a world champs. champs. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, like – Even if they're not their full selves with Soto in there, it's against the world champs, and that's awesome for him to do that and step up. Uh, oh, how was how – uh, I mean, you, again, you watched the full game. I didn't watch as much. Was, were there any issues at night with uh, with Buffalo? It didn't necessarily seem like it, uh, but I mean, you also had, and I mean, it was it was a day game, so. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. I'm it was, tripping. Yeah. I'm tripping. They they played in Washington. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. They did play in Washington. It was funny because FP Santangelo kept mentioning, like you know, it was a home game for them technically, yeah, but they were yeah, playing they, in, and so they, they were in Washington. He kept speaking in a Canadian accent. Um, you know, pretending like he was the Toronto so Blue Jays I, uh, guy. So, uh, yeah, I got a lot of radio stuff on the because I didn't hear this FP oh, stuff. Okay. I know he, I know people cannot stand. Oh, I love the, FP, and the, 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 a lot of folks cannot stand the Nats broadcast with Bob Carpenter and, and FP Santangelo. I think they're great. Like you know, I mean, they, they're, I mean, they they can definitely be a little weird sometimes, but at the same times, like they're at least somewhat entertaining, which can't be said for a lot of like you i forgot like just how bad some broadcast teams are around major league baseball yeah so um um i like fp you know he was uh he was uh the nighttime radio guy out in san francisco for for a few years before he got uh that job over in washington so i i've heard a lot of him uh he's a real smart guy 
loves to be hit by pitches when he was a player. Yeah, he did. He did. And uh, we have the same birthday. So oh, nice. that, makes, that makes him a little bit cooler to me. Uh, but we're going to talk a bit about Pearson. We're going to put him in a rank them later. Uh, we actually have two sets of ranks uh, for some of these young pitchers. Some that are pretty widely available and some that aren't as available, but uh, Pearson will be in that ladder there with the, with the other group of guys. Another big debut uh, was Christian Javier for Houston, and he outdueled uh, Dustin May by quite a bit. I mean, he was incredible. This another Houston pitcher coming up, uh, absolutely dominating. My 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 daily mention, my my episode mention of MLB the Show. That's how I became aware of Christian Javier. I got to be honest, I didn't really know him at all. They had a they had a card of him, which is actually kind of nasty. They gave this card a, a, a slurve, and I was like, dang, who is this guy? So I became aware of him via MLB the Show. It didn't turn into fantasy goodness though, because I did not pick him up for this start. Why would I pick him up against the Dodgers? Too scary. And now he's going to be super expensive in Fab. Uh, but he goes five and two thirds, two hits, one run, one walk, eight strikeouts on 82 pitches. Meanwhile, Dustin May on the other end goes three and a third, three hits, one run, two stri- uh, two walks, three strikeouts in 76 pitches. So, you know, only four swinging strikes for him, 10 for, for Javier. So Javier clearly outduels May here. What do you think of Javier? Did you get to catch any highlights? Yeah, I haven't finished watching the whole condensed version, but I- I've seen the-, the first bit of it. Uh, and he's a guy that the great Tim McLeod kind of uh, pointed out to me uh, and a number of other people in one of his Facebook groups. Uh, so I wish I'd picked him up in leagues for this start. Uh, but a- nice. again, I was I was avoiding the Dodgers, trying to avoid the Dodgers lineup. Because uh, like I said, he will be super expensive. Uh, I mean, he's a guy who can definitely strike batters out. Uh, you know, I think a really nice fastball, curveball uh, kind of combination um, but he also has, you know, two to three other pitches. Uh, I I think he may have issues with walks at some point, but because he he did show, you know, kind of you know lack of uh, control in the minor leagues at times. But mm-hmm. uh, the fact that he's got so many pitches is uh, very intriguing. He's not going to be like a Denelson Lamette type where. You know, when he's on, he's on. When he's off, like, you know, he's getting hit around the yard. I think, you know, he will struggle with the control at times. But for the most part, I think he's going to be pretty good. He was one of their best minor league pitchers uh, pretty much at every stage of his career. So, uh, you know, a little bit, I guess he's 23, so not even a little bit older. But, you know, that's that's what we're used to guys coming up so young um, that 23 even makes you say that. I think that's kind of the where, where we're at. But no, it's definitely not old or anything like that. Um, Javier, really impressive. I haven't seen any of this yet, so I'm gonna I'm box score scouting for sure. But um, worked the four pitches. The three secondaries were all 10% plus, 16% on the slider, 13% on the curve, 10% on the changeup, and uh, you know sits sits 90, 92 to 94. Uh, worked on that 60% the fastball. So very impressive debut, of course. And since it was against the Dodgers, like I said, he's going to be sky high. So that's going to be a bit of a challenge this weekend as far as not wanting to overpay, but understanding that he's, I, I think he's going to be good. I think he's going to be solid for them throughout the, throughout this year. And there's going to be opportunities because Berlander's not coming back for a while, if at all. Um, and they already had some open spots. So I, I think this could be somebody who sticks. So keep an eye on Christian Javier. If you picked him up uh, ahead of time, good on you because you might have gotten a nice one here. Yeah. Jesus Cesaro pitched in relief yesterday, three and two-thirds. Uh, pitched pretty well, had a little bit of bump at the end there, 
But uh, for the most part, uh, this was a game I was fully dialed in on. He looked like himself. He was awesome. Uh, gave up three runs, but only one was earned. Of course, he made the error himself. I always think that's funny when you can create your own unearned runs. But he had five strikeouts uh, in his in his three and two-thirds with 16 swinging strikes on 67 pitches. That's a 24% mark. And it's been confirmed that his next outing will be in the rotation. So um, he's not going to be really available anywhere. Jesus Lozardo was very highly drafted, and he's been getting these uh, lengthy relief appearances. So this isn't so much about pickups. It's just more about what do you think of Lozardo and how excited are you to watch him finally start? Oh, I'm super excited, and I do have him, I think, in at least one league. Uh, you know, I, I didn't start him because I didn't know what the situation was going to be like. There was talk that he could uh, come in as a follower like he did uh, if, if Frankie Montas struggled, which he did a bit, um, and, or he could have his own his own start tomorrow, or actually today. Um, yeah, it would have been today. Yeah, so, but my guess is now he will replace Daniel Mengden back in the rotation kind of on the next go around. So maybe they give Mengden one more start and then he comes in uh, and then that's the end of it for Mengden. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, you know, it may take him a little bit to get completely stretched out. So we may be looking at like, you know, four innings in his next start, but I think it's going to be four very good innings. And I think he's going to be uh, a very good pitcher this season. Yeah. I, I think he should be able to get five, six, as long as he's not struggling. Lazardo. I mean, 67 pitches here, uh, that definitely, you know, uh, pretty close to a full workload. And obviously uh, they realize, hey, your day's over. You had three three innings on Saturday. So hopefully this was enough to get him into a, a regular start routine for Lazardo. But he looked good. And uh, if you have him, get him in next week because he is going to have a start. I will say that, uh, you know, the A's have been very, very quick on the hooks. So... Mm-hmm. Like any time a guy is really getting into trouble after you know three innings, they're they're already you know getting guys warm. Uh, so just kind of expect that if you've got a starters, that these guys are not gonna often go super deep unless they're just straight up dealing. And that's kind of a league wide trend too, mm-hmm. to be for honest. For a lot of teams, it's, yeah. It's almost uh, it's almost surprising that that we've seen uh, that we saw Pearson get to go five. Yeah, and one of my I think it's one of my main event leagues. Um, I am first in the league in wins and last in strikeouts. Wait, say that again. I'm first in the league in wins and last in strikeouts. That's so because you got all those relievers. Because I got all those relievers, yeah. So it worked on the <laughs> yeah. On the I just got yeah. I just got to get my offense going. <laughs> but now you got yeah. You got to get the offense going, catch up in case. You'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Zach Plesac absolutely dominating the White Sox. Eight innings, three runs, excuse me, three hits, no runs, no walks, 11 strikeouts, 20 swinging strikes on on 98 pitches. Um, By the way, on the other end of that, Giolito bounced back brilliantly. Mm -hmm. The Twins roughed him up, but then he throws six scoreless against Cleveland. So anybody that was freaking out about that, you shouldn't have been because it's one start against the best offense in baseball. But if you were, hopefully your fears are assuaged. But uh, Plesak dominated, and then Brad Hand got absolutely murked, completely crapped mm-hmm. all over the game. Gave up four runs, three of them earned in just a third of an inning. We'll get to that in a moment. But uh, Plesak, what do you think of Zach Plesak? And by the way, we'll add that Savale, my guy, dominated the day before. So back-to-back dominations here. These two were expected to maybe be battling for a spot, uh, and instead 
they're they're both they're both crushing. And I'll also point out that um, it was a doubleheader on on Tuesday. Adam Plutko was pretty good too. So it, it actually was really good. Six innings, two two earned, four strikeouts, seventeen swing strikes on eighty six pitches. Is this more of a White Sox thing, or is this Cleveland cultivating the pitching? And you know, all three of these guys are capable at different levels here. What, what, what do you think of the police act domination and then Cleveland's pitching at large with their, with their non stud starters? I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's a little bit of, uh, I mean, the white Sox has the white Sox team has a ton of upside. Uh, but you know, one, they were missing Eloy, which is obviously a mm-hmm. big force out of the middle of that lineup. And two, uh, you know they've well, got a... until yesterday. Plesak did face him. Oh, did Ple... okay. I didn't realize yeah, he was he back. He missed in. the doubleheader. Yeah, okay, that's right. Wall, yeah. But uh, he was back for 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 Plesak. So I think the White Sox also can be one of those hit or miss teams. Um, you know mm-hmm. uh, they're gonna you know they got a number of guys on that team that may strike out a fair amount, uh, and when a pitcher's rolling, they they may struggle. And, you know, and then they may you know beat up on guys as well. But I also think that. I mean, this Indians rotation, even after losing Kluber, is just uh, you know outstanding. Um, yes, and you I know think. I was you know I mean, if we had talked about this episode about guys that I've turned around on, uh, it would probably be Plesac and Savali, uh, and I kind of wish I had gotten both of them on more teams. Uh, I was lucky that I did stream uh, Plutko in. Uh, nice. In a league, so uh, you know another one of those guys who middle relievers that's going to kind of go deep, uh, and so I got the goodness there. But uh, I, I was very—I mean, Plesacki especially really impressed me. It's awesome. I mean, he was, he was absolutely awesome, and I know that some of the—not uh, I don't even want to say pushback, but some of the like discussion I had around my Savali love was what about Plesac with the idea, you know, he, he, it was going going to be one of them in the Mm -hmm. rotation. And I was like, I I like both, you know, I, I, I trust, I trust Cleveland. This was almost like a Woodruff versus Burns thing. I was like, if for some reason they don't both get spots, I I thought for sure they would though. But if for some reason they don't, then I'll just take the winner. Mm -hmm. But Savali was my pick, Uh, but they both have spots. It's Bieber, Clevenger, Carrasco, Savali, Plesak, obviously with the double header, Plutko was able to, to mix in there for the spot start. Otherwise, he's going to be a multi-inning reliever. But they're both good to go. And I, again, I've really come to trust Cleveland with these pitchers here. And uh, one thing I like about both Plesak and Savali is depth of arsenal. They've got pitches to go to. And, and one thing we saw from Plesak yesterday was uh, his slider was the most used pitch, 42% versus 39 or 38% for his fastball, and then a 17% changeup and a little bit of a show-me curve that he only threw twice. Um, but yeah, I, I'm impressed here, and I really like both Plesak and Savali where available. And again, we'll get into a ranking here shortly, but uh, they, they both did well. And to your point about the White Sox, I've mentioned this a few times when recommending starting guys. I, I, I acknowledge that their quality for the White Sox lineup can be there, but they don't scare me yet. They have to show it. And to that end, they have 10 homers, which is tied for the third most in baseball, but they're sixth highest in strikeout rate at 27%. And they have the sixth worst walk rate. So there's that, there's that volatility all combined into the, into the three stats that they can go yard on you and make it a really rough day for your starter, or they can strike out a bunch. They're not going to walk too much to, to get their patience going 
and make it a great day for your starters. So I'm starting guys. I get, they don't, they're not striking any fear in me right now. I know that I can get blasted with certain starters, but for the most part, I'm starting against the White Sox without issue. Yeah. Just be careful. If both these guys are on your wire, picking them up right now, um, one, they're going to cost a ton and you're not going to get to use them. I think in either of the next starts, it looks like Savali, uh, has the twins and then police has the reds. So that's going to be uh, maybe a bit brutal, um, though. Well, I'll, I'll see what the back end of their uh, back end of Plesak's. Uh, it would be the White Sox step. again. Okay. And, and Savali will get the White Sox in, in that same series. Well, I, I mean, I've already started Savali in, in leagues to start week, um, understanding that at Minnesota it's not going to be easy. I would start Plesak, though. I think, you know, you're going to have to pay for him. You're right. But um, – I think the Reds, their offense is unquestionably better than the White Sox. Mm-hmm. But they're still not one that I'm inherently running from. So if you want to get that two-start from Plesak, I think you can take the, – it's just the reverse of Savales, right? Where you yeah. take the we take the scare scare tactic on the front end with the at Cincinnati, uh, what, but then you get at the White Sox after. What the Reds did to uh, Hendricks yesterday, like he was cruising, and well, then I switched over. Hendricks sucks is the only thing that you. How dare you? <laughs> he doesn't suck, but yeah, where are those victory lappers? I didn't see any of them on my Twitter feed yesterday. Yeah, that was, it now, was pretty my brutal. My Twitter feed was cluttered by uh, by by Joe Kelly apologists, but. Um, so maybe I missed them, but I didn't see those Kyle Hendricks victory lappers. I think I should set this is this has turned into the Dansby Swanson kind of thing mm-hmm. where the, the point has been lost. I have quite literally never said that Hendricks sucks. Not not anything but more than jokingly, like I just did. Um, my beef with Hendricks stemmed from MLB Network putting him in the top ten starters right now, like three or four years ago at this point. It was a while ago. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. That's that's insane. And I stand by that. It was insane to do w- that. Was it right after his 16-win season? I, honestly, I don't remember. I'd have to go back and, and look. But that that was where the whole, like, Spore hates Kendrick th- uh, Hendricks thing has come from. I've rostered him, like, throughout his career with 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 – with gusto, like uh, it, with interest, including this year, I have him on some on some teams. So I actually wasn't super keen about seeing him get wrecked by the Reds. Yeah, but me neither. I, I, I absolutely hear you about uh, about being afraid of them, and and that maybe maybe that will bring the police sack bids down. I doubt it though. I think people just no see people are going to go. Big, in. Yep, they're going to see the big performance on the waiver wire, and they're not really going to give consideration. Plus, it's a two start week, so yeah. that's going to cancel out any tempering anyway. But you're right, since he can absolutely wreck. So be careful, please, Zach, folks. Oh, and with, with him. full disclosure, I, you know, me and my partner in our main event, another league where uh, we're doing doing fairly well, but hurting in strikeouts, like we'll be going, you know, hard on him too. So, you know, I do wonder if uh, if Dusty and I are going to start please Zach, next week. We had him for this one, um, and so I kind of depends on you know construction of the rest of your team. I think. True, true. We need to figure out some things. We have Verlander, um, you know, so that wasn't great. We actually, we actually had Plesac from. We didn't even pick him up th- this week. We we already had him. You know who we picked up this week though? We we spot started Asher Wojciechowski because we thought he was going to get the Marlins. So he ends up getting the Yankees. And I gotta say, for those of you that got stuck with that along with us, 
it could have been a lot worse. I'll take the seven strikeouts. The fact is, you know, he got he got beat up a bit for uh, four earned and five. You take the seven strikeouts and you say thank you. I, I I'm actually pretty happy with how that turned out, given what could have been. Um, and when paired with Gray and Plesac, our day was pretty great anyway. So anyway, enough bragging about myself here. Um, <laughs> mentioned that Brad Hand blows that one. And there was some concern about him coming into the season. And I think that concern should probably be exacerbated. Uh, you know, you should, you should continue to have that concern here. He hasn't really looked great throughout uh, his, his outings this year. For me... I think it's Nick Whitgren who's next. And I base that on, well, actually, hang on, let me finish on a couple uh, Brad Hand notes here. His velocity is down again from 92.7 to 90.9. Uh, his swing strike rate is in half from 13.2 to 6.9. 6.9 in this instance, not nice. And he just looks, he looks like he's a mess. And I'm a little bit nervous here. He had a clean save, his debut. Um, no hits, no walks, two strikeouts against KC. Great. But then White Sox have gotten him twice on Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, once they blasted him out of the game yesterday. Tuesday, he survived but did give up a run. I think Nick Whit- Nick Whitgren is who you want to go after here. I know James Karinchek is, uh, Karinchek is the uh, flashy one, but Whitgren keeps pitching in the eighth. So to me, I think he's the guy. What do you think about Brad Hand's situation right now? Uh, I'd be very, very concerned if uh, if I had him on any teams, which I uh, thankfully do not. Uh, I mean, he's living in the zone way too much, and with a reduced velocity, that's really, uh, really setting up for some bad things, giving up a lot of zone contact, a lot of contact in general, not getting swings and misses outside the zone because he's not going outside the zone uh, nearly enough. His swing strike rate is 6.9, which usually would be nice, but it is not nice. Um, <laughs> Again, yeah, not nice there at all yeah i think this is uh not gonna get much better and i don't think he's gonna be uh (laughs) i don't think he's gonna be um uh, the closer for very much longer and i mean this is pretty much the last year of his deal uh he's got he's got a club option that's likely not gonna get picked up uh next year so uh yeah i don't think the indians are tied to him at all so uh yeah it's surprising that uh in spite of the fact that he's pitched so poorly, he hasn't even given up a home run. Like, that hasn't even reared no, its ugly head yet. <laughs> he's just giving he's up just a ton of contact. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and to me, that's sometimes scarier because the home run thing, you can say, ah, you know, they got him on one pitch. Uh, like, home runs are, are definitely super scary as a closer. I always talk about you, you don't want the, the home run guy there because that's a manager will have no confidence in you. But for me, I almost wish there was like a couple home runs here where I could say, ah, he's given up two homers. He's going to settle down. He's never been a big homer guy, but you're right. Not even a homer. It's, it's 11.7 hits per nine. And that's really it. it it's a, there's a 429 BABIP. But if I told you they had a 362 last year, the 429 doesn't seem that crazy. And like, it's coming down big time for Brad hands. So again, for me, I say Nick Whitgren, and um, again, because he's been pitching the eighth in all three of his outings, where I think they want Karinchek to be a fireman type that can come in as early as the the fifth if if things really go sideways for the starter. But like the sixth, seventh, eighth, I think they want him anywhere in that realm. And then I think Whitgren's going to take that job. So that that's my bet is is Whitgren. Um, who are you betting on if you're uh, if you're if you're going against Brad Hand? I think I'm going to go Karinchek. 
uh, I mean, just like the strikeout stuff. And, uh, I mean, he, I mean, well, here's the hard part. I think Grinchick is probably the, uh, the better pitcher, but Cleveland's one of those teams. Like they still think about service time. They still think about, and Whitgren's the older guy who's kind of, you know, locked into, you know, the contract he's locked into. So it wouldn't be surprising to see him actually go that way. So you might be right. One other thing though. Um, and this is more NFBC than 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 elsewhere. Karen Check is seventy three percent owned. Yeah. Oh yeah. So he got picked up in a lot of leagues there. Some of your shallower leagues, 10, 10 12 teams, both, both be should available. be available. Yeah. But uh, again, I just I, I think they're I really think they're going to go with Grim, but we'll see. I think Hand will probably get the next the next opportunity unless it's today, because then it'll be three days in a row. But uh, we'll we'll see where it goes. Obviously. If they're both available, I don't envy that choice. Maybe I'm just going Wakegren because Karen Check isn't available in so many of my leagues anyway <laughs> that I don't even have the option. But uh, let's move on. Let's talk about Charlie Morton and his misleading second start. Our uh, our course our race correspondent Jason Collette kept us abreast of this yesterday. If you had just looked at the box score and you are a Charlie Morton uh, haver, you'd be pretty happy about that, right? Five innings, six hits, two runs, one walk, seven strikeouts. All's back to normal, right? Yeah. I mean, at least at least if you're just looking at that box score, you would mm-hmm. you would think that. Well, Jason let us know that he labored through that and absolutely got knocked around uh, as far as batted balls go. Six barrels. So they were finding gloves left and right. And so he was surviving that way. And I'm sure some of them dropped for hits. But the fact is he avoided big trouble there. And I know, you know, making jokes about him being the race correspondent, but he's obviously super dialed in. Jason's terrified of Morton right now. He's dropped two, 2% off or two, um, Miles two ticks off of his V uh, off his VLO from 94.4 to 92.1. And the only positives that I see really are that the walk rate is down and swing strike rate is similar, but otherwise home runs up, hits up. It's only been two starts too, and one of them was absolute shellacking. How are you approaching Charlie Morton right now? Obviously, in like NFBC, you can't do anything but just ride it out. But where do you stand on him right now, especially with some of the concern that's that's bubbling up? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a bit concerned. I mean, he's given up a lot of hard contact, uh, and you know the exit velocity is by far the highest on his batted balls uh, than we than we've ever seen I mean we're talking about like a five uh, mile per hour jump from last year already Jeez. now that you know and and the hard contact like uh fangraph shows at 58.6 percent 59 percent up from 34 last year yeah I mean those are really really concerning things that and I think largely it comes from that reduced velocity because it's just making him more hittable. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's, that is a big concern. Um, you know, and again, I mean, he's another one of these guys kind of living in the zone, probably a bit too much. Um, you know, the, the O swing is down zone contact is about the same as last year, but his own percentage is like 6% more, uh, so far than last year, you know, some pitchers I think are, having a little bit of difficulty ramping back up. Some are more advanced than 
I think the hitters are, uh, and I think this is one of those situations where maybe we need to just kind of temper expectations early on uh, for Morton. The hard part is there's not a lot of extra time. <laughs> That's the thing. Like the, the the clock could run out before things settle, and so it's just a little bit nerve wracking. He does get a two step next week, but guess what? It's Boston and the Yankees. And Boston's I know Boston, not scary anymore. You know, I mean, like I, I, I know that I disagree that they're not scary anymore. They're not at them at, at their level yet. That lineup is still scary. In fact, you might be surprised to learn that they're still 11th in WRC plus as a club. They're still scary. You should absolutely still be nerve uh, have nerves with when your starters face that team. They still have Martinez. Devers, Bogarts, Benintendi. Now, it, it, it dies off a bit there. It's, it's similar to the Atlanta offense, where it's kind of half a lineup of, of super scariness. But I still think you should be nervous. Um, and then you throw in the Yankees, though. And, and that's – am I recommending stating Morton? No, I'm not. I, I, don't, I don't think I can go that far. Do you, would you – would you suggest that? Hmm, no, I think I think Colette might. I, mean, I, th- I, I think it depends him, on what kind you of. You should ask him Sunday. Yeah, I will. Uh, I I, th- I think it's one of those things where uh, it kind of depends on your roster. I think in a maybe a 10, 12 team league, you can afford that because you probably have enough depth on uh, your roster to to make that kind of move. But mm-hmm. in a fifteen team league, like if if you're going like. Oh, my options are Charlie Morton and I don't know Tyler Molly, yeah. who I, I like. Like you're still yeah. you're going Morton, like especially on a two start week, uh, and you're just kind of hoping for the best. Uh, you know, I mean, this is a guy that, when healthy, has been a very very good pitcher, and now he is 36. So, I mean, this could maybe this is the beginning of the end, but I'm not quite ready to say that. And that would be a little bit of the concern on the on the velo drop and everything is that he's had such a health. Uh, a bumpy health record that, you know, is there something going on there? I'm not pushing the panic button to that degree. There's no way I could sit him in a two-start, even a devastatingly difficult one like Boston, New York. There are still some positives in the profile right now. And yesterday's start, you know, he might have escaped some trouble there uh, by f- having some of those well-hit balls, fine gloves. But I think, I think I'm still going to give Morton some time for sure. So... All right, let's move on. Uh, oh, yeah, Oliver Drake has two saves for the Rays. Nobody else has any. So when did he pitch yesterday? Oh, the in the six. sixth inning. Now, normally, I would be inclined to say, go fuck yourself, Tampa Bay. However, you know what you're getting into. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you made Nick Anderson your fourth closer, your fourth-ranked closer or something, because you love the talent, that's on you. Mm-hmm. I can't really feel bad for anybody that's dealing with this because we know. We've been knowing with them. Now, if another team that usually has a traditional closer starts doing it, then maybe. You know, I, I feel a little bit for the Ian Kennedy folks. Um, and I'm actually going to get to that uh, in, I don't. in a bit. Well, I, I'm saying in that he there's no reason to think that he wasn't the locked in guy. No, Matheny uh, said it. Like, I mean, like Matheny alluded to, you know, Ian Kennedy didn't have necessarily his job wrapped up coming into the season. So like, he's an idiot. 
Not because he makes <laughs> but the he, decisions. But he makes it like he's an idiot that makes the decisions. <laughs> At any rate, my point is, we can debate that in, in a few moments. We're going to get to that. My point is with the Tampa Bay thing, though, you know what you're getting into. That's why you couldn't pay me to draft Nick Anderson. As much as I love the talent, I could not get on board because I do not trust them at all. And like I said, Drake is the only one with with two saves, uh, only one with saves on the team. He's got two. And then he pitches the sixth because that's what they do. In fact, Nick Anderson's only pitched twice. I don't know. I don't even know when he pitched. Did he pitch late in games? I don't know. doesn't matter. But how maddening is that? It, it's super maddening. Um, so if you're looking to pick up Drake or if you did, don't count on him for anything long term. That's for sure. Nick Anderson pitched the seventh and eighth. Uh, well, seventh going into the eighth because he threw four outs his first time and then had a one out hold in the seventh inning um, on Tuesday. So that's going well. That's going real well for those folks. I feel I feel bad. I do. I feel no, actually, I don't. I don't. I love you, Jeff Erickson. I, I, I'm talking directly to you. I, I, actually, I'm not, but I, I know he's he's talked about his his Nick Anderson love, and I was like, I share I share the love of the talent, mm-hmm. but not of the situation. So it's kind of maddening. But let's move on to Rich Hill. He was great in his season debut, and I don't have a whole lot to say about him. He is he's a little bit widely available. We're going to get into this rank him here after this uh, this next picture. But is Hill somebody that you have a lot of shares in? No, I have. I don't think I have any. I tried to pick him up in my cut lines because those uh, the, those did their first waivers, uh, and I still had guys like uh, Noah Syndergaard and, and Severino mm-hmm. on it because it was the first time we were able to replace people. But uh, I did not go in as much as uh, other people in my league did, so unfortunately, uh, it uh, it did not work out for me. But I mean, it, he was a huge pickup because uh, just to reset. For folks who didn't realize that, or not realize, but um, when we did all the drafts, he was set to be out for two months, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So that's why he was available in like every league, and he was the big waiver pickup of the mm-hmm. first run. But anyway, yeah. what, what are your thoughts on Hill? I mean, I think he's going to be a good pitcher as long as he's healthy, but I think we've already seen this season. We just don't know that when that's going to be. And so yeah. in you know shallower formats where you can easily replace him you know he's a guy I definitely want on my team uh in deeper formats I think I'm just gonna you know pass <laughs> if he's still but, available in leagues just because I just I thought injuries didn't count this year because it's a short mm, season yeah right? yeah you know, they only have to be able to stay healthy for you know 10 to 12 starts and I'm, and this will make them magically healthier mm-hmm. in those 10 to 12 right exactly okay I'm just making sure because yeah. I, I, that's what I thought that's why I got every injured guy possible mm-hmm. Well, it's a good strategy. It worked out really well in my main event last year. <laughs> hey, you said it, not me. Uh, and then the last one before we finally get into this damn rankum, Merrill Kelly was excellent on Wednesday against Texas. Uh, how much interest do you have in Merrill Kelly? He showed some flashes last year. He was kind of up and down, you know, a steady or a, a solid, uh, you know, capable streamer type. Didn't exactly knock your socks off with a 442 ERA and a 132 whip, but had his runs last year across 32 starts. Uh, jumps out with a seven and two thirds, three hit, one run, seven strikeout gem. Uh, what kind of interest would you have in Merrill Kelly? I mean, I have some. If he's available, especially in deeper formats, I think he's worth uh, kind of picking up and grabbing. And uh, I don't think he'll necessarily be the first person uh, that people go all in on in Fab this week. Uh, mm-hmm. So in that regards, yeah, I mean, he, he's definitely an interesting guy. Um, 
you know, the hard part for me was, wasn't he, like, supposed to be the odd man out in the rotation at one point? Um, yes. Um, there was that. Because remember, for a while at Roster Resource, we were showing Gallon as out. And we're like, mm-hmm. well, that's not happening. Yeah. But there was, like, a lack of commitment there. But I think it's actually... Who, who are we missing here? Because Bumgarner, Ray, Gallon, Weaver, Kelly, that, that fits. Yeah, I don't know who the... Oh, Mike Leak opted out. Oh, that's right. Mike Leak opted yeah, yeah, out. Yeah, so, yeah. so Kelly has. And apparently, as we saw with uh, um, Marquez, he can come back. I don't think anybody realized that. Uh, that I had you no could idea. Just, um, just, just be able to Psych. say, nope. Hey, I want to get paid for a few games here. So, uh, uh, but yeah, with Mike Leak out, he should be uh, he should be kind of cemented into that rotation because I don't mm-hmm. think there's uh, really anybody else that they're going to. Uh, you know, bring up uh, and, and kind of replace them. So yeah, and Corbin Martin's hurt too. He's got mm-hmm. they got him in the Grinky deal. Um, so I think he's set. You know, he made 32 starts last year for him, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, good defense for a major find team, him. Yeah, when you make 32 starts of a 4.42 ERA, you're seen as a solid m- middle, you know, thir- three four type asset. So. I think they see him as somebody that they can rely on, and they liked having him as a sixth. And then when when Mike Leake went out, okay, we we got our fifth locked and loaded. Now I don't know how much he was picked up going into this week because it was at Texas and then home to the Dodgers. So there's probably some trepidation there. But if he st- stands up against the Dodgers on Sunday, his bids are going to be pretty high. Yeah, you know, even if it's not a great start, if it's like five innings, three runs, six strikeouts, or something, and you pair that with the domination at Texas then I think Kelly's going to be chased quite a bit. And so let's get into the, uh, let's get into the ranking here of how, how you see these guys. I'm not, I didn't include all their upcoming starts. I'm talking more lengthy as opposed to just w- who they're facing next week. So we have a, we have a widely available guys, Christian Javier, that he's 8% at ESPN. Zach Plesak is 25% and Merrill Kelly is 12%. How would you rank those three? Uh, I think I would go Plesac, Javier, Kelly. Okay. I I think I would too. Um, Javier and Kelly are really split close. Between them, though. Yeah, 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 exactly agree with you. Because I almost said Plesac, Kelly, Javier. And so I'm really close on those. La- I, I would probably put equal bids on the three and, and just whoever I got. You know, I don't I don't have much split between any of them, to be, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, the hard part with Javier is how long does he have that rotation spot? Yeah, let's um, take a look at what they've got. Because he was filling in for... Well, he's filling in for Verlander right now. Which means he's probably good. And, I mean, they've, it's not like Framber Valdez is... That's the thing. If Javier keeps dominating and Valdez is just, like, solid and Verlander actually does come back... I, I don't think they're taking Javier out if he's if he's doing well. That rotation and, went from a huge strength to a huge question mark. Well, if, yeah, absolutely. And I got to be honest, I'm not in on the Josh James thing. Um, I was very uh, discouraged by his his first start, so I'm I'm definitely I I don't think I have him. I, I might have him somewhere, but um, yeah. Yeah, I'm. I want to see more from him before I say he's reliever, but I, I definitely am discouraged. And you know, McCullers isn't. Uh, you know, this is a bit scary coming off the of Tommy John. Uh, 
Yeah, there was a lot of stock put into McCullers, which I understand. I love McCullers when when he's on. He's so so good, but he was expected to bridge the gap. Like uh, McCullers, along with a full season of Granky, was supposed to cover kind of Cole being gone, and then they lose Verlander. Like you said, just like that, it goes from a strength to kind of a weakness now. Uh, McCullers, Granky, James, Valdez, Javier. So yeah, I'm with you. I rank I rank them similarly, uh, but but have the three very close. Please, Zach. Javier and Kelly. Now for the guys who aren't as widely available, but still almost in 50% of leagues of ESPN leagues. So 10 and 12 teamers, Rich Hill, 54%, Dustin May, 52, Aaron Savali, 49, and Nate Pearson, 48. How would you rank that group? I think I'm going to go Savali. uh, Yeah, boy. um, Hill, Pearson, May, but I could really flip-flop Pearson and and Hill if I wanted. In fact, I will. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you, except I'm I'm flipping that, and I do have May last. I don't dislike May, and I'm not I'm not overreacting to yesterday's kind of meh start. Dustin meh. Okay, stupid joke, but um, does he have big strikeout upside? I mean, I think he does. I mean, you watch him pitch, and you can see the swing of his stuff uh, that is in that arm. That being said. Uh, I mean, he's definitely had some moments where he's really having a hard time controlling it. Um, and I mean, nine percent swing strike rate in AAA last year, the majors last year, and the majors so far this year. I mean, seven and two thirds. I don't want to freak out, but then um, an eleven percent swing strike rate in AA last year, but it was back at nine percent the year before in AA. So I'm not seeing like big strikeout upside from May. So he's the easy last for me. Then it's Savali, Pearson, and Hill. And I think you're deciding, do you want rookie volatility or injury volatility between Pearson and Hill? That's kind of your choice. And I'll take the rookie volatility because injuries are annoying as hell. See, Not that Pearson can't get hurt, but I'll, I'll, take, I'll take Pearson. In deeper leagues, I'd rather have Pearson. And in shallower leagues, I'll take Hill because I'll take the goodness while it lasts. And then uh, the and easier then, to replace. And the easier to replace. So in the leagues where these guys are 50% owned, I assume they're going to be the shallower formats. Uh, yes. Give me Hill because I know there's going to be a guy in the waiver wire that I can at least you know bring in. Whereas in a 15-team league, you just don't have the options. Agreed. And yeah, ESPN caters to 10 teams. So 10, 12, it, it, these, these percentages probably work. For most 10s and some 12s as well. A couple more pitching notes here before we get out. John Means uh, is returning from arm fatigue, but gets to face the Yankees. (laughs) No, thanks. It's like, okay, sweet. Thanks, guys. Can I? uh, I think now I'm coming down with a little cold. Uh, Can I return? Don't want to say that in this environment. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Didn't even think about that. Actually, by the way, I'm looking at their schedule. There is no soft landing because he gets he would have to face the Rays this weekend. The, the Yankees again early next week. In fact, that's who he faces after this. And then Washington, who, you know, we, we'll have again, Soto we don't back, think that yeah. they're awesome. But of the three options here, that would be the best. Yeah. But Beans is back, and he gets New York off-rip twice. Avoid that do one. Do you have any love for John Means? No. I mean, I do from a straight skills perspective, but I, I, I wish he was on a different team, pitching in a different environment, pitching against different competition. So, uh, breaking news. Uh, oh, yeah. Major League Baseball has postponed the uh, Toronto Blue Jays and Phillies games this weekend. 
So the Phillies just don't have any. It's it's probably due to the Phillies, right? Yeah, yeah, it's due to the Phillies. Apparently, it sounds like they're they're having COVID issues now too. So just you know, if if you're in NFBC leagues where you can switch uh, guys out for Friday, you know, uh, unless they announce that the Blue Jays are just going to keep playing the Nationals, which is a a possibility considering they're playing right. them right now, might as well just keep letting them play. They have uh, so, a bunch of games together anyway. Might as well just yeah. throw a few more on there. Um, yeah, I mean, you want you want to definitely get your Phillies out of your lineups if you can. Because, uh, uh, like, I know I, I got stuck with, like, McCutcheon in, in a couple lineups and stuff uh, in, tough, in the man. weekly leagues. So, I mean, definitely switch those guys out uh, and really keep a close eye on what Major League Baseball is going to do in terms of the Blue Jays and the Nationals uh, mm-hmm. this weekend if they're just going to let them keep playing. Yeah, that's oh, I do not envy the folks having trying to figure out all that situation because it's kind of annoying. Speaking of the Jays, Chase Anderson uh, worked in a sim game. He's working back from an oblique. He's slated to come back relatively soon, perhaps as early as next week. Of course, with their schedule up in the air, we don't really know. Uh, but they do have Atlanta and Boston next week. Would you? If it looks like he's getting a start, would you spec on on bringing Chase Anderson back? I don't think so. I just I, I especially means or Chase Anderson. Oh God. Uh neither there's got to be someone else on your waiver wire i just I, i'm not gonna either yeah just <laughs> add I'm, a few bucks to christian javier instead yeah exactly I, I you know give me you know merrill kelly police you know give me give me a you know give me yosmera petite like someone you know a middle reliever that i think might get some innings uh that could sneak you a win i just the home run rates and we haven't seen what's going to happen in buffalo but i assume some of those games will be played in buffalo next week uh, so, uh, I, I don't want to, I don't want to risk, uh, Chase Anderson. Okay. No, I, I, I understand. And that, that, that beast is so difficult that, 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 that alone, I think is worth not wanting to risk it. At least sight unseen. Maybe if he comes back, he looks sharp, then we can jump on. But right now I don't, I'm not taking him out the first start after an oblique injury either. Jose Leclerc has a tight shoulder. Uh, Nick Goody got the save on Wednesday. Are you specking on Nick Goody? Or anybody in the Texas bullpen. The problem is they don't really have anybody else. But what are you doing? Um, no, I think if I'm gonna spec on somebody, uh, maybe it's Jesse Chavez. Okay. Uh, but or or Hernandez. Jonathan Hernandez. Yeah, they both yeah. got burnt yesterday. Two runs each. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those situations I just kind of probably want to avoid unless I'm absolutely desperate, which I'm sure some people yep. are. Oh, for uh, sure. Because they don't have league leading closer Joe Jimenez. Joe Jimenez, baby. <laughs> or, you know, maybe their offense is struggling because they don't have tied for league leading home run hitter Jacoby Jones. <laughs> what the hell? The Tigers that? are going to make the playoffs this year. <laughs> Dude, I'm here for it. I'm planning At, at what point do, like, I mean, obviously it's way too early now, but at what point do. The Tigers. Like that's when they, they start bringing up Mize they, yeah. and Tarek yeah. Skubal and yep. Matt Manning like, and. You're like twelve and four, so you know it's like a quarter. You know, essentially a quarter of the season is done, and and you're sitting really nice. I think then you start to bring up those guys. Yeah, I I, I mean it. It sounds crazy because twelve and four in a normal season, you don't even bat an eye if if one of the crappy teams has a twelve and four record, but. I think you'd have to. Yeah. What What would be your cutoff? Uh, no, I think that sounds. I mean, I'd probably go a little bit deeper into the season, but 
closer uh, to twenty games? Like, like what, what's your what's their record have to be after twenty games? If they're like to decide it, I don't know if they're fifteen and five or something like that. Okay, even, that'd be pretty. That'd be pretty great. What what if they're like? Okay, what what if they're thirteen and seven, but they're one game behind Minnesota? I think you just wait then. Okay, I to mean, see if you can get on a run. Yeah, because you're but, a bad week away from just plummeting it if you're only 13 like 13 and 7 i mean they, they really played the royals quite a bit so like <laughs> i don't well, know. We beat up on that terrible reds team those garbage which is crazy yeah i have no idea what's i've going been on, i've been I'm stacking the tigers in, in dfs and it's it's actually come out pretty well because <laughs> they're dirt cheap right yeah they're dirt cheap um and they they can go yards so like Last few days, like I've been recommending, like Jonathan Scope and yeah, no Scope, Scope and Crone look great. Uh, jokes aside, they do look great. And I know um, J- Jason was on Jacoby Jones as a, as a you know super late flyer, and that's paying off. Um, yeah, they, they you know three at Cincy, they stole two of them late off their bullpen, and then they've been playing KC like you said for, for um, the fourth game of that set is today. Then they play Cincy again. If they stand tall against Cincy this weekend. Again, I'm not saying you bring up Mize and Manning on the heels of that, but then I will start to get irrational hope. It'll it'll be dumb, and I'll, I'll hate myself for doing it, but if they take two or three from Cincy at home, then I'm going to start being like, okay, now I'm rooting for them to win every game. Because the way I watch the Tigers right now during a rebuild is I, I root for them to win during any game that I'm watching. I always am cheering the good stuff. I don't want bad stuff to happen. But then if they lose, I'm like, okay, and I move on. Like that's how I take losses in a rebuild. When when they were a good team for that you know very long period of time, I took the losses way too hard. Even though you know your team's going to lose at least sixty in a given year, I would still get way too pissed. But now they just wa- water off the back. If they take two or three from Cincy this weekend, watch out, dude. Watch <laughs> out, Tigers. All right, um, Ian, Ian Kennedy. We talked about a bit about that. He's not the closer. You're saying, hey, that was out there. Matheny said that. Here's the thing. They become a bit Raisian, though, because Greg Holland gets a couple saves, and then all of a sudden he was pitching in, like, the fifth or sixth inning. And so who do you go with? I thought Rosenthal would be the sneak pickup because of their relationship back in St. Louis. But he's not necessarily pitching in high-leverage late situations either. So what are you doing there with, with the KC bullpen? I mean, I mean, I guess he did pitch. Hang on. Uh, Rosenthal did pitch the eighth both times. Um, but but what what are you what are you doing with him? I mean, with uh, Casey. I mean, obviously, I think Greg Holland is the closer for now, and uh, and Rosenthal is probably next man up. And I mean, it can all go sideways. Uh, but if you're in desperate need of saves, it, it seems like Matheny really likes Holland. So I, I would. It's hard because man, how many how many games are they going to actually win? Um, yeah. And then like, uh, do you really want? A closer that can blow up your ratios. Like, you, you know, are you cutting Kennedy. Yes. So he's a, he's a drop across all leagues. I, yeah. I I think I agree. I think I agree. You should. And again, I I thought he was somebody that uh, you know had a, a reasonable chance to at least close for a bad team and maybe could have been Jimenezian. Uh, but no, it's not happening. Last bit of news here with the Royals, they're going to call up Chris Bubik, who has not pitched above high A. Interesting prospect of theirs. Not the first one I would have thought that would would come through like this. Uh, Like I said, through 102 innings at high A last year. Was very good during those innings. 22 years old, Chris Bubik. 
you going to watch with some interest when he when he makes his start in, on Friday against the White Sox? I'm definitely going to watch. He is. I mean, Kansas City has made a point of drafting like uh, college starters that could quickly yep. advance, and so you actually may see a number of these guys start to work their way up into uh, the rotation. Um, I mean, we've already seen um, uh, Brady Singer. You might yep. see Daniel Lynch at some point. You might see Jackson, Jackson Kowar. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm actually a bit surprised that uh, Bubik is going to be the first of this group to make the majors. That's that's the surprising part is that he he got the first bid there over some of the others. Yeah, I mean, he he, he grades out with a plus changeup. I don't know the fastball super great, but he's got very good control for a young guy. Um I'm definitely interested to watch. I'm not picking him up outside of AL only right now, uh, but definitely someone I'm going to keep an eye on. How good does the start have to be for you to pick him up? Uh, It's got to be... I mean, Who's he playing against? The White Sox. So this, the team that has been striking out a ton. So he could have a deceptively... Stri- deceptive meaning like he's I think picking on a, a weaker... I, team. I think it's Strike one of those starts you need to really watch and see where he's, you know, hitting his spots where he's not. Um, you know, like I said, I mean, he's supposed to have pretty good control. I've never seen him pitch, so you know, uh, you know, I'm just you know box score scouting and then you know taking the trusted sources uh, that I that I have with around the industry and in guys, you know, like Eric Loggenhagen and in mm-hmm. Kylie and. Um, James Anderson and uh, the guys over at Prospects Live. So Thompson, yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm definitely intrigued. I'm definitely going to be watching on Sunday. Yep, me too. Uh, Friday, Friday, or oh, Friday, Friday. Sorry. Um, and then he would be slated to start against the Cubs the following week, which I kind of put in the class of like, you don't really want to face the Cubs, but I'm not terrified of them. So keep an eye on Chris Bubik, the uh, prospect starting on Friday for the Royals. And that's going to do it for us, Justin, in this pitcher-filled episode. It was great talking with you, and I'll uh, catch up with you next week. Take it easy.